I had an English teacher and I was placed in honors English and I I actually met her and her name actually was Karen. <laughs> and um I loved her and she loved me. And um she even said to me, you know, when I want you to go to college and and she said and when you go, I want you to major in English. And at first I was like, no way, I can't do that. I don't even know what that is, but I it's like, I can't do that. Um, and so she was always sort of pushing me along, um, even though she could see that I, I really loved English. I, I got really good grades in English. She saw more in me in that area than I saw in myself. And so I'm, I've always been grateful to her for that because then I did go down that path of studying English in undergrad as well as in grad school. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with author and founder and CEO of Constant Communicators, Karen Brown Tyson. Karen has worked in communications for 20 years in a variety of roles, such as PR executive, writing coach, teacher, and author. Karen helps aspiring writers, entrepreneurs, and corporate executives navigate the obstacles that keep them from writing consistently, with confidence, or creating a writing life. I am humbled to have had Karen on the show, and I'm really excited to share a conversation, so let's get over to it. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, Karen Brown Tyson. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Walker. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, well, Karen, you are uh, the founder and CEO of Constant Communicators. Um, you're an author, a teacher, um, a coach uh, in writing. Um, so obviously writing is very central to, to your life. So I kind of want to start at the, at the beginning of, of that before we get into to your work now. But it, was writing something that was popular in your family when you were growing up? Is that something that you kind of inherited from your family? Or That's a good question. Um, I, I will say that writing was um, a very important part of my childhood. Um, I, I loved writing. I loved English class. I loved my English teacher. Um, I even remember just sitting down Walker and just writing my penmanship and just practicing Mm. my mother. Um, she's 90, but she still has all of my, um, reports from school. And she has these books where I would just write over and over again, my name, her name, anybody's name. You know, I was always practicing my penmanship. And so writing and also telling stories have has always been important in my life. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, you and I are, are very different in that way than I. I don't my handwriting is barely legible to me, especially <laughs> at this point, because I just type everything. Um but yeah, I definitely was was not eagerly practicing my handwriting <laughs> when I was in grade school. <laughs> but I was always jealous of people like the kids like you in class because it always looked so good. But yes, yeah, I understand. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, with 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 writing, I, I guess this is kind of a, a, a loaded question to some extent. But I mean, 
what do you think is the most rewarding element of writing to you? And it doesn't have to be one thing if you think there's multiple. I think being able to take what's in your heart and what's in your head and putting it on paper is really important. Mm. A lot of times when I'm talking to students, um, aspiring writers, people who want to to write, um, the thing that they struggle with a little bit is getting um, out of their head what they want to say on paper. And so I think that that's one of the, the things that I love about writing and helping people to write is to be able to transfer their thoughts um, to a written form and actually be able to communicate with people, whether it's their employees, if I'm working with a corporate client, or if I'm actually working with someone who's an aspiring writer who wants to write a book, being able to get what's inside of them out and onto paper, I, I see as a, a really big, uh, you know, accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense as well. So with um, with your business, Constant Communicators, who are you working with primarily in, in that business? You know, I, I work with um, two sets of clients. I have corporate clients and I work with um, healthcare communications. Mm. Um, so for the past um, probably uh, 18 or so years, I've worked in healthcare communications um, and I enjoy that. So I'm able to actually work with clients within that space who either want to communicate with their employees or they want to communicate outside the company. Um, so my background is in public relations and corporate communications. Um, I also work with people who want to write a book or they, they want to write something. They have something they feel like they have to say. And so it's been very rewarding for me to be able to work with different writers on their books and their ideas for books and actually see them produce the book. Yeah. So, you know, a few years ago, I was at a, a conference where um, a guy stood up on a stage and spoke about his company, which was called Self-Publishing School. And it was all geared towards helping people self-publish a book if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. But, it, and I didn't, you know, I didn't purchase the program, so I don't mean to speak out of turn about everything that they offer, but my understanding of it was that they were primarily kind of just providing a set of, and again, I don't mean to say the word just, <laughs> but they were <laughs> providing a set of techniques, um, kind of how to outline, how to structure it. But that was, seemed to be most of, of, of that kind of guidance that they were providing. Mm -hmm. Is that, kind of what you're offering as well? Or are you actually kind of helping people with the content of what they're wanting to write? So I, I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about because I was at a conference too. Maybe we were at the same conference. It was Podfest and, is where I was at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did hear that, that presentation and I do love um, companies like that that try to put some type of package together to actually help people. Mm -hmm. um, mine is, a, it, it's more on the coaching side. And so what I like to do is I'm, I'm working with people who come to me and they want to actually be coached through the process of writing. And the, the very first thing that I always notice, the number one biggest issue that they have is that they don't know how to start. Mm. And so what we do is we spend time in terms of how do they start? How do they stay disciplined enough to keep writing? 
Um, and so it, it's not so much about, you know, templates. Now they're in our coaching sessions. I do talk to students about the thing that they need help with, um, the questions that they have. I do want to address those in each of our sessions. Um, but really it's about coaching them from the beginning to the end, if that's what they would like to do in terms yeah. of, of getting through a book. Well, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, I've talked to other folks that, you know, I, I had a lady on a few weeks ago that, that started uh, an interior design business and in meeting with her clients and working with them, she found that a lot of times when kind of unpacking, because, you know, someone's house is a very intimate space. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a reflection of them. She, a long story short, she ended up also kind of offering life coaching services, which mm -hmm. she hadn't intended to do initially, but it just kind of naturally was a fit. Do you find yourself kind of in that same vein as well sometimes? A little bit, because when when I first start working with a student, um, one of the first things that we cover is their actual mindset. Mm. So I'm, you know, I'm working with different students and um, all they know is the journey that they've been on to get to this point. And a lot of times that has included them starting to write and then stopping. And so what I'm trying to get them to do is actually change their mindset to actually see themselves as writers. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I do um, encourage them to give themselves a little bit of a break, um, practice a lot of self-care, no negative self-talk, and actually just embrace the world of writing, um, that it has non-writing and writing tasks that they have to do, Mm. Um, it requires discipline. It requires them showing up. It requires them doing the work. Um, but really, I find myself doing a lot of that talking to get them on board with the idea that they're going to get up and either write every day or they're going to dedicate some time and write every week. Yeah, well, that, and that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the a word you mentioned there, discipline is a word that I, uh, and still to some extent do find intimidating. Um, <laughs> however, what I have found, uh, I read a book a couple of years ago called discipline equals freedom. And after reading that, I, I started trying to apply some more discipline to, to some areas of my life. And what I actually found was that what started as discipline and what started as like, I had to kind of, you know, grit my teeth and, and just do it. I mean, really within a, a few weeks turned into habit and turned into routine. And then it wasn't discipline anymore because it was just like, oh, this is just like a thing that I do. Is yes. That, does that sound correct to you too? Yes, exactly. And so what I try to get students to understand is that if they're consistent and they have a routine that they follow, um, after a little bit of time, they'll actually just be flowing in the process themselves. And, and sometimes, um, you know, I remember from my own situation, um, uh, when I started to write my first book, um, time to refresh, um, I would get up every day and I'd get myself dressed, you know, as if I were leaving the house, um, I would go downstairs and I would go to our kitchen Island. And that just happened to be the spot where I wrote this first book. 
So I would show up every day. I'd work at that kitchen island and I would write X amount of pages or time or words or whatever I had set out. And that, as you say, became a habit until I got it done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I heard. I heard someone else talking about it recently and they said it starts with discipline and that becomes habit and that becomes routine. And then it eventually becomes identity Mm -hmm. to where it almost feels like something's wrong if you're not yeah. <laughs> engaging in that activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just wanted to, to, to highlight that point. Cause again, for me, you know, after I got done reading discipline equals freedom, for example, I was like, man, I, I just really don't know if I can live like that, like this, like this constant battle with myself every day. But that book didn't say <laughs> this isn't, this isn't going to be a fight forever. It will turn into habits. Um, so I just say that so people listening maybe understand that it, it, it gets easier pretty quickly, actually. It does. <laughs> if you can just establish it. Yeah, it, it really does. It's not as, you know, grueling. Um, as you say, the word discipline does sound a little bit scary sometimes. Right. Um, but really, it's not... Um, it's not that bad, actually, because it's you start to flow in it. It starts to become a habit. It's something that you actually do and that you want to do. Yeah. It's probably from my childhood. I had a lot of, because I wasn't good at handwriting, probably, I had a lot of <laughs> discipline time uh, that had nothing to do with establishing new habits, in my mind at that time, at least. But um, <laughs> So... You've mentioned, you know, the writing process a bit, um, and I've talked to, to a few different authors, and I have a, my closest friend as a has a master's degree in creative writing, and I'm always interested to understand kind of what the writing process different writers have is. Uh, I, some writers are, are doing, you know, like a free write on a daily basis just to try and get ideas out. What does your writing process look like, or, or, or maybe the writing process you teach to your students? So the writing process that I um, follow is, Every morning, I, I get up super, super early um, because I'm I'm married to a person who loves to get up super duper early, and so um, so I use that time um, to actually write. That's that's the time of the day when I have the most energy. That's the most the time where I feel super creative, and so I use that time to actually start writing on projects that I have um, listed. I don't always do um, a writing prompt. Um, I'm able to, if I, if I start writing in the morning, I'm pretty much able to just get up and start with the ideas flowing, put them down on paper, and then um, stop and maybe go do a workout or something like that, and then come back and do some client work. So, um, I start really early in the morning in terms of actually writing and focusing and, and being very excited about the ideas that I have in my head. Yeah, no, and I've read a lot of stuff too about, um, the value of, of prioritizing or or putting whatever your top priority is in the morning, because I've, I've read a lot of stuff talking about willpower, if you will, is kind of a, like a fuel tank and, throughout the day as things go on you know it can be easier and easier as the day gets later to be like oh well too many things have come up and Mm -hmm. now i have to put this off Mm -hmm. so i think tackling it first thing in the morning makes a lot of sense yeah um so i don't know do you have children i do have um uh, a son who's 17 cool so a question i have then you know obviously given your work do do you feel like the way that writing is taught in our school system is 
sufficient, or is there some element of it that seems to be consistently missing? That would be you know, I, I do think that, um, you know, I have to give a lot of props to my son's um, English teachers um, and the work that they have been doing, you know, with him and the other students. Um, I'll tell you a little secret, uh, Walker, is that I don't let my son's English teachers know that I was an English major and that I have a master's in English right. um, because, <laughs> you know, for a variety of reasons, but I, I don't want them to think that I'm over here, you know, trying to teach the class, even though, you know, I'm trying to help my son be able sure. to get his ideas out on paper as well. Um, so I, I, I do have a lot of respect for the way that they're actually um, teaching the students. Um, I do find um, over the years that I've had to use some of my techniques, you know, on my son, um, especially when he was in middle school and he would come home and he'd say, oh, I have to write a paper, you know, and I, I would have to show him that he could write an entire paper on a particular subject and how to do that. Um, which I didn't mind actually doing. And he was actually quite surprised um, that he was able to do that and the grade <laughs> that he got in the end. Um, but um, I, I do have a lot of respect for, for the teaching that they're doing. Um, I, I was also, um, as I said, I, I have a master's degree in English. So, you know, there's lots of reading of literature. So I, I appreciate the literature that they, they have to read and what they have to, to actually um right in terms of um, explaining what they've read. Well, that's really awesome to hear. Um, it seems like I don't, I'm going to use a really vague term and say the media, which I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> I just feel like there's so much negativity constantly when talking about, especially like public education. Mm -hmm. um, but so it's really, it's really refreshing to hear someone with your level of expertise actually sign off that, Hey, it's not, it's actually going pretty well at yeah. least in this area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think that, that even if someone isn't trying to write a, a book per se, or doesn't have maybe a, um, a I don't want to say a product, because I know people aren't necessarily trying to always create a product, but if, if they don't have some work that they're trying to accomplish, is it still important for people to write every day? Like, should everyone be writing? Well, I, I think that, I don't know that it's important um, for everyone to write every day. But what I have seen is that people um, find themselves having to communicate every day. So whether that's in written form or it's oral, or I even tell people that even their nonverbals, you know, 
are speaking for them and that it's very important that they're very conscious of that. So I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that people have to write every single day. Um, what I would say is that if people are working um, in a job, more than likely they're having to write something every day or they're having to communicate every day. Whether they're just even writing like a um, a posted note to their colleague, or um, I used to work in um, uh, the pharmaceutical environment, and I used to do manufacturing um, communications, and I I am a um, a certified Lean Six Six Sigma green belt, and mm. so even in that environment where they're using vision boards and, and visual type tools, they're having to write some kind of a message to let somebody know on the next shift what they've done in this shift. So communication um, is a constant, and that's the reason why I came up with my company called Constant Communication Communicators, is because we're always communicating. Yeah, that's a really, really excellent point um, that really just kind of grounds all of it because, you know, when I when I think of talking to you, this esteemed writer and author and teacher, I think of it as, again, like what I was saying before, like it's, it's all in service of writing a book or, a, you know, something like that. And you're absolutely right though. I mean, I, you know, I have a day job where I send emails all day long mm -hmm. uh, and there are two other people who <laughs> can be offended. I have found out. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it, it definitely is, is helpful to have, uh, the capacity to to navigate that communication, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you know, you mentioned uh, a book that you'd written. You have you have two featured on your website at least: a time to reset and a time to refresh, both of which are are twenty one day devotionals. Can you explain what that is? I'm actually not familiar with the the, the term of a devotional. So a, a devotional, um, in this particular case, it's a it's a Christian devotional. And each day focuses on a different topic. Um, it allows the reader to be able to um, read a particular scripture from the Bible. And also, um, um, I share a little bit of a story about, you know, whatever I'm going through that's related to that topic. But I also try to um, share a story from the Bible so that it's, 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 it's also like a Bible study lesson. And okay. so people are able to take a, a devotional, one devotional per day and actually read it. They're, they're not very long, so they don't have to spend a, a lot of time actually reading it. Um, and then, you know, really the, the idea is just to give them something to inspire them on this particular topic and um, to really kind of send them on their day if they're if they're reading this at the beginning of their day. I got you. That's really cool. So uh, kind of a journal, like a, a prompted journal mm -hmm. kind of thing. Okay, that makes sense. And, and so did, are you, even outside of the devotionals, or are you a big proponent of journaling? I am. You know, I actually, um, part of each of the books um, reflect the journaling that I was doing during that time. So the, the very first book is called Time to Refresh. And the book came about um, following uh, my third layoff in my career. Oh, man. And so um, 
so what I would do is, you know, I would journal, you know, just, you know, how I was feeling or, you know, what I was going through. And so I include portions of that in both of the books um, as a way just to let people know that, you know, it's definitely great, you know, for you to write your ideas down, you know, if you're going through something, you know, put that down on paper. Um, but I, yeah, I'm a very big supporter of journaling and for people to actually really sort of express themselves in that way. Yeah, I found a ton of value in it as well. Um, I read a book a few years ago called The Miracle Morning that, that just is a personal development book. And it, it just suggests, I think, six different activities, one of which is journaling. And uh, it just suggests doing it for 10 minutes a day. So again, not a huge commitment of time or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that it's it's been very valuable to me because it's easy in my head for a thought to kind of get stuck in like a loop. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but when I write, like I'm not going to write the same thing in the journal over and over. So maybe I write that thought, but because I'm writing, it's like, it prompts my mind to then like, okay, but what would be next? Yes. Right. And so it kind of helps me work through that. Yes. Um, completely unrelated to, to the, I and mean, it's related to journaling, but I will just share also non sequitur. So I actually use a program called Penzu, which is an online application for journaling. And the thing that's really cool about it is it will actually email me every day with like, here's what you wrote two years ago or a year oh. ago on this day or whatever. So it's just kind of a cool yeah, way to see. It really like, is. It, it yeah. really is. And I, I love that um, you share that because part of, you know, when I'm talking to people and they're asking me about journaling, um, I say to them, you know, you write your thoughts down, you know, you can always go back and actually, you know, see where you were on that particular day and how you felt. And a lot of times when I'm, I'm talking to people um, in, in, you know, in terms of Christian, uh, the devotional or, or journaling, you know, I'll say to people, you know, you can see sort of the, the transformation in your own life from the journaling. You'll see where you were, like you said, two years ago, and then you'll see now, you know, you've made progress, you're doing different things, you've tried something new, you've gone off and chased your dream. You know, it's really a great way to go back and see, you know, what you've been doing. Yeah, it is. I will also uh, somewhat embarrassingly admit, there's sometimes where I see something that's like, Wow, I just wrote about that last week too. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yes. haven't fixed that yet. Oh no, no. <laughs> no. But it's still a good. It's good to shine a light on that. And say, mm-hmm. hey, I really need to put this as the top priority to fix or correct yes. or change or whatever. Because why am I writing about it for two years now? That's insane. Yes. Um, <laughs> so something else I'm always fascinated to talk to to writers about is is the the, the other side of writing, which is consuming it, which is reading. Some writers I talk to are are very avid readers and some are like, yeah, once in a while. Um, what's your what, what's your reading activity like? Are you a big reader or not? Not I essential. Am, I am a, re- a big reader. And um, that also started when I was a child. And I just could not wait. Um, my mother actually um, is a, a big reader. And so that led to me, you know, loving books and, you know, wanting to go off and get new books. I used to think that was so exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I definitely love to read. Um, I am a, um, uh, I sort of like, um, you know, mystery type books. Um, I like historical fiction. 
I do read, I, I actually have read probably all of the Jeffrey Archer books. Um, he's a British writer hmm. um, that I, I found on my international travels in the um, international airport. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm also a big fan of Jerry Jenkins. He actually does some, he does Christian writing and he does some, some books about um, end times Um and so I, I love things like that. But yeah, you know, I really do like to read. And I do, I do find that I read a lot of um, self-help, how-to business type books, um, especially, you know, in the morning, um, you know, when I'm, well, it's been a year and a half since I've actually been to the gym. So, right. but normally on the treadmill, you know, I would be reading those types of books. Yeah. Um, but um, but I'm gonna start going back now. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't love... your fault. There was a whole pandemic thing that happened, I know so. <laughs> there was a whole pandemic, and so I had to take my workout outside. So mm-hmm. it was hard to read while I was walking. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> well, so I was gonna ask you earlier, and this is also completely kind of random, but you know, you mentioned that you were really heavily involved in medical communications. So did that just go bonkers for you over the last year, year and a half? No, it is interesting. Yeah, because, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, because, you know, in healthcare communications, um, you know, there's obviously there's different parts to it. But yeah, you know, we did have um, some clients who were going to address this pandemic uh, head on. So it was nice to be able to work with them, you know, on some things that they wanted to do. But yeah, it's been a busy time. I, I actually can't um, complain, Walker. Um <laughs> In terms of, you know, how everybody's sort of like, I've been in a pandemic and, you know, things are different. Well, I've been in a pandemic and it's I've been working and, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. But it's been all good. It's all good. Well, that's awesome. So, you know, obviously we we talked about the the books that you have. Are you able to incorporate your faith into any other aspects of your work or or is it primarily those books and, and not as much intertwined into the other work that you're doing? You know, I, it, it's not so much in my um, business, um, you know, it, it's it, other than um, obviously, um, you know, how I, I carry myself in terms of t- integrity and character, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, but it's not so so much into, you know, the healthcare communications. Um, I do do a lot of things um, at my uh, local church. So I do um, teach classes on Sunday. So I'm able to actually um, use some of that um, in teaching those classes and actually helping um, students understand particular topics that we're studying. That's awesome. So, you know, when when you were, were growing up or, or, or start, first starting as an adult to, to do writing, was there a coach or a mentor that you worked with that, that helped you a lot? You know, uh, I will have to say, um, when I was in high school, um, you know, I, I wasn't even sure Walker, if I was even going to go to college. Um, so I, um, I love school. I, I got good grades. I just didn't know if that was something that I wanted to do, but I had an English teacher and I was placed in honors English. And I, I actually met her and her name actually was Karen. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I loved her and she loved me. And, um, she even said to me, you know, when, 
I want you to go to college. And, and she said, and when you go, I want you to major in English. And at first I was like, no way, I can't do that. Right. I don't even know what that is, but I, <laughs> it's like, I can't do that. Um, and so she was always sort of pushing me along, um, even though she could see that I, I really loved English. I, I got really good grades in English. She saw more in me in that area than I saw in myself. And so I'm, I've always been grateful to her for that because then I did go down that path of studying English in undergrad as well as in grad school. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, it's really cool. And, you know, I was talking with someone, I, I've had a lot of uh, life coaches, that sort of stuff on, on this show in the past. And I was, I was speaking with a guy uh, one time who does wilderness therapy where adolescents and young adults will go out on these eight week retreats where they're like hiking and camping and then they have time with counselors and stuff kind of mixed in and a lot of that is about putting people in situations where their comfort boundaries are being pushed right mm -hmm. and so I asked him do you think that that's the most important aspect of of change is being in an uncomfortable position in some way and he said you know I think that that's an element of it but he said you know if I think back on my life anytime anything really positive changed for me I almost always had a mentor too I almost always had someone else who was helping me mm -hmm. and I think in an American culture at least in some places of it there's a lot of this attitude of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm -hmm. it's every person for themselves or whatever <laughs> but it's just not really the way that life goes right mm -hmm. and so no. <laughs> I just I, that's the reason I asked you that question about your own mentor experience though because obviously you're offering that to people now mm -hmm. um, and I just think it's important for people to hear that like you don't have to do it by yourself. And yeah. You probably shouldn't try to just do it by yourself. Yeah. Like connect with people. <laughs> yes, yes. I I was reading an article um, yesterday, I think, um, that someone wrote, and they they were they were trying to offer some advice to aspiring writers, and they were saying, and on the one hand, what they were saying um, is fine. They were saying, you know, don't give all your money away to people who want to teach you how to write and you know how to do these things so I, I agree don't you know feel like you have to give all your life savings away in order to learn how to write but at the same time as I read it I thought to myself well everybody needs a little you know sometimes people need a little help yeah maybe everybody doesn't need a little help but sometimes some people need a little help and some of the people that I actually met are, are, are meeting, they've actually tried to go down the road on their own by mm -hmm. themselves. And somewhere along the way, they, they lost their way. They didn't know what direction to take. And so now they come back to the beginning and they say, okay, this time I'm going to go down the road with a guide. And that's what I like to try to offer my students and clients is some guidance in terms of how they can get from point A to point B or whatever their points are that they want to get to and how can I help you get to that, you know, to that point.
know, we, we talked about your what you like to read and, and you mentioned a lot of kind of fiction type things, but the writing that you are primarily involved with is, is nonfiction. Have you ever tried your hand at fiction writing or is that not not for you? All? <laughs> so so that's, you know, I, I do believe um, that we all should um, push ourselves and learn new things. So I'm actually studying that now. So I do have on my list that I am going to write a fiction book. And so I've, I've been working on that a little bit in addition to the third book of the, um, the uh, Time to Grow in Grace series. The next book is going to be Time to Rejoice. Um, but I definitely um, have on my list that I've been working on um, is a fiction book. Cool. Well, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> So this is kind of a, a more, I don't know, technical is probably not even the right word, but a more process-oriented question. But when people are writing, I mean, obviously, if they're going to publish a book, I'm sure an editor, an external editor is always involved. But is it important for people to have a third-party editor? And if, they, if that's not a possibility, is it important for them to separate the writing time from the editing time? Or is it okay to kind of do both at once? So I absolutely positively believe that you need to separate the writing time from the editing time. Um, what I find, um, Walker, when I'm talking to people is that when they think about writing a book, they think about it in one big lump and it's overwhelming for them to think about how am I going to get from the beginning to the end if I have all these different things to do. So I encourage them to break these things into chunks I tell them, write the first draft. Don't worry about what the grammar looks like. Don't worry about what the spelling is like. Um, and don't edit. Just get all of those ideas onto paper. And when you go to your second draft, that's when you can start to self-edit. And, I, you know, we go through this process, you know, of, of the self-editing process. Now, I honestly believe that everyone needs an editor mm. and I cannot stress this enough to my students. I, I had uh, one student uh, who kind of started out and she was sort of like, Oh, I don't know if I really need this. I'm like, yes, honey, <laughs> <laughs> you need this. This is going to help you. And so she went off and she actually got, um, an editor to to look at her material um, and she loved it she she loved the feedback that the editor gave her she has been going in and actually making her changes to her document and so I absolutely cannot stress enough to people that they need that editor that's going to help them um, get their final manuscript through the door so, I, you know, and I'm obviously just very ignorant on the, the subject, but with an editor, I mean, I, in my head, it's like, oh, they're, you know, making a red mark because you didn't have a period or that's not where a comma goes or something like that. But is there something beyond that? Are they also offering insight into like the structure of how it's written? So there are different types of editors. Okay. And so you could get a developmental editor. The developmental editor will look at the flow of your story. So let's just say, for example, okay. you know, whether you're writing um, fiction or nonfiction, um, you know, your book needs flow. It needs structure. 
um, the developmental editor is going to um, encourage you and question and um, challenge Mm. and say to you, I think that this point might be better in this way. Um, This section may be better down here. Why didn't you add anything in here? Something's missing. And so the developmental editor is going to help you to be able to do that and then send back their recommendations um, in terms of, you know, what you can do to make your story better. Um, There's also... um, you know, content editors who, who look at sort of the structure as well. Um, and then there's also, you know, the proofreader who okay. is actually the final person who should actually really be proofreading. And they're actually looking for um, the grammar and the spelling and that sort of thing. So when I'm talking to people, you know, I'm encouraging them to try to find these people to actually help them to get their story or their manuscript or whatever it is out the door Hmm. and that they need those different skill sets to actually help them look at their story in a different way. So it sounds like the editors are maybe, I mean, maybe to people in the writing community, this is very obvious, but to people, laymen like myself, the editors are kind of the unsung heroes Mm -hmm. in in the writing process. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, Love your editor. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, so you mentioned international travel earlier. Um, have you ever learned a different language at all? You know, I I, I spent some time um, in, in college learning a little bit of um, Spanish, but thank God I've never had to actually really have a conversation <laughs> in Spanish. Um, but every time I actually um, traveled, I went to countries where um, people were able to speak English. I've spent a lot of time in Europe. Um, so that was helpful for, for, for me. Um, but yeah, I, I totally loved um, um, that opportunity to be able to go off and talk to different people from different parts of the world. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I'm just completely speculating here, but I've always wondered if, because I, I know in some other languages there are, words that don't really have a direct one-to-one translation Mm -hmm. and it always seemed like even if you were writing exclusively in english having those other words that don't translate directly floating around could maybe i don't know be be interesting in some way Mm -hmm. i don't again i have no idea though i'm not a writer so (laughs) yeah 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 i i think um you know it is interesting that and sometimes when i was talking to other people from other countries you know, sometimes we would have a moment where they would say, you know, how do you say this? Or, I, you know, we we would ask them, we say, well, does this translate, you know, in your country? You know, because sometimes as um, Americans, we say things that other people are like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. Probably a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um so, and I'm completely putting you on the spot. I did not prepare you ahead of the interview for this question at, at all. So if, if you don't have one, it's not a big deal. But is there a story of a, a client or a student that, that you would be comfortable sharing that maybe, you know, really came, made, made, made a significant progress or, or anything like that? Sure. No, absolutely. So I do have um, a student that I was, um, that I work with. Her name is Cara McLaughlin. Hmm. And um, Cara actually um, 
met with me and uh, we talked about her wanting to write a book that's encouragement for parents homeschooling their children through high school. And um, when we first met, you know, I would talk to her about, you know, the mindset, you know, of being a writer and, and spending her, how she would actually divide up her time um, to actually write. Um, we actually started to work together and, and coach um, for a year. And she was able to write her um, first book and actually print this book in um, January of this year. Oh, wow. And so she, um, I'm, you know, I'm super proud of her because, you know, she would just write and, and she actually wrote her book in sort of a, a devotional format as well, mm. where there's a particular topic and scriptures for each day. And she wanted this book to really be something that really helped homeschooling parents. Mm. And I was so impressed. You know, she was able to write over 300 pages. Wow. Um, and get this done, you know, in a year. And she's on her way. So she has been, she published her book. She has her website. She's building her writer platform. And she's just doing her thing as a writer. Well, that's awesome. Well, congratulations to both Cara and yourself uh, for that. That's really cool. <laughs> so um, on your website, you maintain a blog. What could readers find if they were to go check out the blog? On the blog, you know, I, I really try to just focus on some different writing um, advice for people. Um, so today uh, I have happened to, to release a, a blog post about five questions you can ask yourself before you write a business book. Mm. Um, so just, you know, trying to offer some sort of helpful tips to get people to start thinking about their writing. Um, I do also write blog posts, um, a little bit about faith in terms of, I do love to encourage people to follow their dreams and actually, um, pursue that, you know, thing that's inside of them, that their passion that they want to pursue. So, um, those are some of the kinds of blog posts that you'll find on my website. Cool, cool. And then is there, you know, if someone out there is listening and, and they're maybe an aspiring writer or they want to get started, is there any tip that you would have to share with them or any any advice you would offer? <laughs> oh, the first thing I, I like to, to tell people is to understand their why in terms of why they want to write a book. Um, if they aren't clear on their why, they may not want to continue down this road. And so I do think that a lot of times I, I've talked to people, they, they, they like the idea of writing a book or the idea of one day becoming a published author. But if they don't know why they want to do that, it may not actually work out. And really, I, I do say to people, maybe it's not a book that you want to write. Maybe it's something else you want to write. Like maybe you're to write a uh, um, an article um, for a magazine or a trade mm. publication. Maybe it's something like that. It doesn't always have to be a book. Um, but I do want people to understand what their why is before they start the writing process. Yeah, that's something I've, I've thought about a lot, um, the, the, the idea of the why. And I, I think the kind of conclusion I've come to is that it, it, it's, it's so important because it's the foundation of the belief that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, this is 
going to sound so unrelated, but I was listening and I've shared this story on the pod a few times before, but I was listening to this guy who's an NBA player named Patrick Beverly. And he's been in the NBA for, I don't know, 10 years, probably. He's not huge. He's maybe six, two or six, three. So, I mean, compared to the rest of the NBA, mm-hmm, yeah. that's not very tall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that's tall, yes. but, <laughs> but he's not, so he's not this, like, he's not this LeBron James, you know, freak athlete in that way. Um, he's not, you know, the best shooter in the league or, or something like that, mm-hmm. but he's carved out a niche for himself and he's been there for 10 years. Yeah. So he's made it. And someone was asking him, you know, what does he attribute that to? And he said, it's going to sound like I'm oversimplifying it. And he said, but it's, it just comes down to hard work and faith. Yes. And, and I just, I mean, man, that just resonated with me so mm-hmm. much. Um, and obviously faith as a word can take on a variety of, of meanings for people, mm-hmm. but at, at least in the context of, of just, belief right and how critical that Mm -hmm. is and i think that the hard work seems a lot less hard if that faith or that belief is there ahead of time yes (laughs) exactly i mean it's almost you know you think about yourself you know and having your um podcast you know all the work that you have to do to to put into actually having your podcast every week you know is worth it for you because you believe in what the podcast is about talking about the walk of life and actually mm-hmm. sharing that with people and people will tune in and actually listen. And it, it brings something to you and it actually blesses, you know, the rest of the world because you're sharing um, this passion and this belief that you have with the rest of us. Well, that's incredibly generous of you to say, <laughs> and I did not, that's very flattering. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Um, well, well, Karen, I've had an absolute uh, blast speaking with you this evening. Um, I'll have links in, in the in the show notes to your to your website, KarenBrownTyson.com. Is there anywhere else you'd like me to direct people to as well? Um, social media, anywhere else people should be connecting with you at? You can find me on Twitter at KBT Rights, and also on Facebook at KBT Rights. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely share with you. Um, um, some of my other social media um, platforms as well. I do have a, a link for you that you can actually offer to to your um, listeners. Okay, cool. Well, I'll make sure and have that. Was well, there anything else that I didn't get to that you wanted to cover this evening? No, I think that was great. You did a great job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Karen. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. you
water that fills your well And you hope through tragedy and hell
All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Karen for stopping by. Really appreciated her, her time and really enjoyed our conversation. Of course, you can find her links in the show notes. I'd also like to thank Misha Zarens for the music. And last but not least, thank you, listener. I'd also like you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters. I also have another podcast called The Crowfall Podcast, which is co-hosted by me and Chris Crabtree. The Crowfall Podcast focuses exclusively on the new MMO Crowfall. So if you like video games, you should check either one of those out. All those podcasts are available on any podcast platform. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.